Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, and by DieHard. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb. Welcome to MotorWeek podcast number 94. It's hard to believe that we've done that many. Uh, joining me in the studio today is our producer, writer, and two-wheeling reporter, Brian Robinson. Hello, John. Our assistant producer, Greg Carlos. Good to be back in the studio. It's been a while. And welcome. Glad to have you back. <laughs> and our writer, the ever-faithful Patrick Lucas. Hello, John. What's happening? Boy, wow. everybody's so low-keyed today. All right. Well, let's see if we can get people, uh, everybody out there a little bit jazzed up. We've got a lot of things to talk about today. Um, we have, of course, our lightning round. We'll also take a look at... A common question we get uh, asked a lot. We'll look at a, a one hot car and one family standard. But let's start off with talking about the most recent uh, big auto show in the U.S. anyway, the Chicago Auto Show, which was at the uh, first uh, week in uh, February. Guys, uh, anything significant in Chicago? I guess I should set this up by saying the Chicago Show is notable because more people that actually buy cars go to it than any other auto show, and the automakers usually look to them for uh, some feedback on stuff they've already shown at uh, Detroit and L.A., but uh, does that mean that Chicago was out anything, without anything significant? Brian, what would you think? I mean, uh, Patrick, what would you think? Um, Brian, Patrick, hey, I Greg, can jump in too. you can talk anyway. Yeah. Everybody join in. All right, well, I always away. faithful Patrick should take this one. <laughs> I think the uh, biggest headline was the Subaru Legacy 2015. Um, and why was why is that? Do you think? Well, what I mean, makes that car important, especially in terms of the audience that goes to the Chicago show. Like you said, consumer oriented. That's a nice family car. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the big thing is, well, at least for me personally, was it looks like they redid the interior a little bit, but mainly their infotainment. Which is always a problem. For, oh my! Yeah, it we looks, we we probably universally hate right. this, this current like a, efforts. This is a totally new system, yeah. so haven't tried it yet. But that should with, be huge with the NAS screen. I mean, is yeah. everything it's, new. It's in a there? bigger. It's yeah. all new. It's a whole different interface, different company. I think what yep. is it? Uh, they've software. been using Pioneer. I think. Up to yeah, now. wasn't it Kenwood? Maybe. I'm not. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, we don't like, like it. it. <laughs> yeah. But that should be better. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the look of the car? Anybody? Uh, definitely toned down from the concept, but that's what everybody does. I mean, it's a handsome car. It doesn't really um, create any emotions one way or the other for me. It's just, you know, family sedan. It happens to be pretty decent looking. Yeah, it's, you know, maybe better than what it was, but it's still not really going to stand out, you know, compared to like Mazda 6 and Ford Fusion. Did you think it was as, I mean,. Before, at least when you looked to the front end, you knew what it was. Did you still feel it had some identity? Uh, I didn't get that close of a look at it, but uh, you know, I don't think that's really that important in this segment anyway. You got to have the features, you got to have the room, you got to have the uh, ease of use. Uh, that stuff, I think, is a lot more important than than uh, whether it looks great or not. I mean. You can't say the Accord or Camry are great-looking vehicles, but they sell a ton of those. <laughs> and they're going to use the same basic front end on, of course, the uh, the new Outback, which we'll see pretty soon. And they did away with the manual option, didn't they, oh, with I believe, the Legacy? I believe that they yeah, did. I they did, they did as well. Yeah. CVT. Just CVT mm-hmm. only. Um, from looking at the car, I mean, it looks a little larger, although it's not uh, noticeably so. 
Uh, it does look like a better appliance. Uh, I sort of felt that the front end, which had a little bit of distinction before, lost a little of it, which is why I, I asked that question. But it'll probably do, like you said, and just all-wheel great. drive will be standard, right? All-wheel drive mm-hmm. standard. And frankly, when you look in that class, you know, they pretty much own it for the price yep. point. Yep. So. Uh, but uh, I agree with Patrick. The big thing is the infotainment system. Let's hope it's a whole lot better. Sure, it looked better. All right. Uh, otherwise, in Chicago, there were a couple of other things. Um, I'll touch on a couple of them. Kia showed its uh, all-electric Soul, which I, which was had some interesting impact. Uh, we knew that Chevrolet was going to get a uh, version of the little Nissan NV200 van, and they showed it, and they called it the City Express, which I thought was very interesting because when you do a name like that, it often means that they will call something else the she- like the Chevrolet City, which could be a bigger van. And a lot of us are wondering whether if this relationship with Nissan, will it expand? Extend to Nissan's bigger van. So well, wasn't the Express one already the Chevy van? That the was what one, one of the old ones. Yeah, yeah. it so, was. Yeah. But you know, does that indicate they maybe have a new van coming? I don't know. Yeah. Could be. Anyway, um, I don't think that was a big surprise, but it was interesting to see, and there was a surprising amount of uh, attention to it. Chevrolet also showed a Silverado HD with a CNG uh, capability, and that was kind of balanced on the other side of the aisle by um, Nissan. They had a Frontier pickup concept with a diesel. Uh, anything else that uh, struck your fancy? The Kia Soul, is that a production? This whole That's going to be that's that's a production EV. Yeah. I, just, I hadn't heard for sure. Similar yeah. in range to pretty yeah. much everything yeah. else that's out 80 there. 80 to 100, I 80 think. 80 to 100 miles. It just seems 80. to be that number. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a whole lot of progress is being made, but a lot more companies are getting into EV. There's not a whole lot of progress in terms of the range, range yeah. so they're all kind of com- – Competing with each other, it does seem to be that they are looking at certain the certain uh, basic requirements for uh, credits, both from the federal government and I think also from California and other states that are uh, in the California uh, uh, environmental uh, rules, and they're building to those and so sort of giving you what you what you need to get the the carpool lane or whatever it is. Yeah, we don't seem to be growing in range too mm-hmm. much, but they do seem to be shortening the charge time. I think that smart EV we had in here recently would go to full charge on 220 in only like three hours or something like that. Yeah, I think that's probably the new target. Yeah. The, that, keep, that way they – I mean, every time you build up additional batteries, you cost a lot more – put a lot more cost in the vehicle. Yeah, but, uh, general Chicago question. You might have mm-hmm. answered it earlier when you talked about the consumer uh, influence. But it, to me, it's it's seeming less and less relevant. I mean, I, I, sit in the, I wasn't at the show. I sit in the office and try to follow it online. And, you know, a whole day of press day, I'm waiting. You know, where's – you know, what's – you know, what's coming, what's coming? And there was, like, no news coming out of it. I well, mean, it was, I think we did have some news I mean, coming out of it. Not that it was exciting. A super legacy? I mean, that's your most exciting thing? You don't think the Motor Week Driver's Choice Awards were exciting, Brian? Careful. No. Well, that's because right. I already knew that before. On your, on your first part of your question, um, that, was a, that was a terrible of me to do that to you. You know, you're right. Um, I think that over the last few years we've seen, as far as really new product, We've seen more of it go, obviously, to Detroit and a lot more to go to L.A. and New York. And I don't know what the answer is. A lot, some of the car makers sort of tell you, um, hush, hush, that with Geneva coming up and Detroit just ending, they don't have enough time or willpower 
to bring a lot more new to Chicago. We do know next year is going to be the new Miata. Mazda Miata right. is going to be a Chicago. Right. So I Just don't know. Uh, the original one was at Chicago as That's well, correct. Right? Yeah. I don't know how they turn that around. Uh, it does seem to be that as the years go by, there's less significant news. In one aspect, a lot of people go to Chicago to see the stuff they didn't see in Detroit because they've got such a huge audience for the Chicago show. But, you know, for the press, uh, you don't always have as uh, Yeah, but much, now there's not even a lot of news at yeah. even the bigger shows because they leak everything ahead of time. True story. True well, story. That's, that's been one of my complaints, yeah. and I think everybody around this table for years. We know almost everything before we go. Uh, and I, I'd like to see the automakers, A, spread out the, the product to more shows, and B, not tell us everything before yeah, we go there. Occasionally they'll throw a curveball. They'll say you're going yeah. to show one car and show another, and then you can follow online of people that have already written their articles before yeah. the show and <laughs> have the wrong car they're talking about. So that's always fun. But, you know, I don't think there was any real unexpected news in Detroit no. this year. Usually there's a, a few, but I don't In Detroit recall. or Chicago? Detroit. Yeah. I don't think there was much. I mean – yeah, we yeah. hadn't seen finished pictures of the ZR one. Yeah, no one was one hundred percent that yeah. Ford was going all aluminum with that F one fifty. No, the, the yeah. rumors were there, but but that was about it. Speaking of the Drivers' Choice Awards, since I sort of brought that up and, and tongue in cheek, but yeah. it is very important to us, and that actually the Chicago show is one of the reasons we. Announce our awards there because so many people do go to that show that buy cars. And um, we had some interesting picks this year. Uh, you want to go around the table? What were some of your um, comments on some of the awards? By the way, if you want the entire list of our MotorWeek Driver's Choice, you can find it on our website at MotorWeek.org. Anyone? Um, I'll say in the overall voting, it was a very interesting vote this year. How <laughs> so? Just the fact that, I mean, there was so much back and forth between all of us on uh, especially the best of the year because I remember it was me, Patrick, and Ben, and maybe a couple other people wanted the Fiesta ST. Yep. And that was a – you wouldn't expect it, but that was actually – got a f- more than a few votes well, from but several of us. Best from, subcompact hmm. car, we gave the Fiesta right. ST mm-hmm. because of your lobbying. Let's put it that way. And we've never given a performance model uh, the award, uh, singled that out as why we gave it to a, a, a subcompact car. I thought that was really significant. All you got to do is drive it for 20 minutes and yeah. you'll know exactly why. Yeah, for bet. a lot of the reasons our eventual winner, the Stingray, did win. Just bang for the buck. I mean, yep. a lot of fun for not a lot of money. Obviously, the Stingray is a little more money, but uh, I think a little more fun as well. I was actually a little surprised that there wasn't uh, – that there was some division because going in, I thought, well, maybe it'll be Stingray. Maybe it'll be uh, uh, Cadillac CTS, which happened to win our um, our best luxury sedan and, and was picked by uh, – best car by some other publications. So I have to admit the Fiesta ST kind of caught me off guard, but I think it says a lot about your age group. And where you're coming from, it's a car that you could afford, that you really enjoy driving. It's got all the attributes that you're probably, yeah. as a, a young enthusiast, looking for. Another on the list, the uh, WRX, while we were voting, um, I'd, I'd driven it on the press trip, and I mm-hmm. thought, yeah, it's a great car. And then we voted. But then we got to spend a lot of time with it down at Roebling, and I, the more I drove that, the more I fell in love with that. So, I mean, that's, that would, that's high up on my top three of this driver's choice. All you know, I bet that was one of the most – the WRX was probably one of the most impressive 
cars for the money we've probably ever put on that track. Huh. I mean, it, 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 everybody came back really pretty. Yeah, I would with have it. to think a little more on that to say that definitively, but uh, I can see where you're going. Mm-hmm. We had some uh, some no brainers like the Mazda three for best compact. I think yeah. that was like unanimous instantly. And then we had some harder ones, like I think pickup truck was probably the hardest one. Oh, boy. It was between the Silverado right. and 1500. The thing that put it over for me was that V6 Eco Diesel. Oh, yeah. And the Ram. Absolutely. I mean, that's, I got to drive that thing a few months back, and it was everything it, that anybody said about it is true. It's just, it's a great engine. And to put it in perspective, the fact that um, back in the 80s, Cummins, uh, V8 Cummins Diesel was putting out 400 pound feet of torque. And now we've got a V6, and it's putting out 420 pound-feet of mm-hmm. torque. It's it's ridiculous, and uh, the fuel economy is real too, too. It's almost 30 miles a gallon. I think they've officially come out at 28, eight, eight, uh, yeah. Uh, Everybody's heading yeah. for 30, but they they've been on sale for like a month, and they yep. sold 8,000 of them or yep. something yeah. already. So yeah, yeah, it's obviously a big hit. Anytime you looked at it, I mean, to put an all-new truck like the Silverado Sierra against anything else, you would have thought that they would have been the instant winner. And I think if GM had been a little more imaginative in the powertrains, um, something to capture at least the the media's imagination, uh, they had been a shoe-in. But, you know, here comes – we love diesels. Uh, everybody in the press corps does. We love driving diesel pickups and diesel SUVs. Well, not that their new V8s and V6 aren't impressive. Fuel well, they are as far yeah. as fuel economy. Yeah. But it just uh, and they and no one shouldn't take away from the all the work they've done. But I guess it just didn't reach as far as we thought they could have reached. And here's Chrysler, and they did. Yeah, um, looking at our list, um, our best, speaking of fuel economy, our best eco-friendly was the Honda Accord Hybrid, which I have to say is one of the most impressive hybrids I've ever driven. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised we haven't gotten more feedback on that, at least that I haven't gotten any that, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't pick an electric car or something along those. You know, the Honda Accord Hybrid, the numbers aren't that great, you know, compared to some of the other hybrids, but it's just, it's 100% still a practical Accord sedan, you lose a little bit of trunk space for the batteries, but that's it. Other than that, know. it's a straight up yeah, Accord. I'd really take you to task on that. Fifty oh. miles per gallon, with without any loss of really interior room or compromises. I thought it really stood out. And what did we do? Get forty eight on the one we had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's a, a certainly. A, it shows that Honda uh, is in the hybrid game finally after sort of messing around with. Uh, also run vehicles for a long time. Uh, Jeep Cherokee for uh, best small utility. That was a little controversial. Yeah, I think we also had, was a Subaru Forester in there? Oh, uh, yeah. That was right. uh, <laughs> up for it. Um, but I hadn't, I was open to changing my mind on the Jeep Cherokee. I could I could see why we would give it our driver's choice, uh, our best driver's choice award. Um yeah, it's it's a car that's grown on me, especially the nice looks package. of it. Yeah, uh, once you get behind the wheel of it, though, I mean, it's every bit of Jeep, and especially if you get a chance to go in a Trailhog version, yeah, take it off road. I've actually in the last couple of days, I've seen so many Trailhogs on the road, so really? people are buying them. Yeah, wow. and they look great when I see them. So, uh, yeah, I, I I'm pretty comfortable with that choice. There are a couple of those on here that I think are worth noting. Uh, best family sedan, Chevy Impala. Here we've gone from a a f- basically a fleet car to a first-rate sedan. And it's a little bigger than we usually pick in that class, but a notable car. Uh, Jaguar F-Type, frankly, that car was so impressive. 
it really deserved probably more than our best convertible um, award. I mentioned the CTS for luxury sedan, uh, BMW 4 Series, best uh, sport coupe, and uh, our uh, best dream machines, uh, Mercedes-Benz SLS AMG Black Series, the Porsche 911 Turbo S, and uh, not so much of a car, but an SUV, the Land Rover Range Rover Sport the latest all-aluminum effort from them. So it's a good list. Uh, if you want to look up uh, any uh, more information on it, again, our website is motorweek.org, and it's all there. Speaking of the Porsche 911 Turbo, uh, we recently had uh, a lot of fun with it at our winter testing facility and uh, Roebling Roads in Savannah. What do you think? Worth all the hype? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't possibly overhype a turbo. Um it's everything it's always been and more. Um, Did it surprise you in any way? Um, you spent a lot of time not in Not really. Um, I think this year, the Turbo and Turbo S used to be distinct models. Now it's like Boxster and Boxster S and Carrera and Carrera S. They're, They're all all-wheel drive. Right. They both uh, come out at the same time. So, and similar to the other regular 911s, the S is just a, you know, a little more horsepower, a little more uh, performance. But... Uh, little more interior features but yeah just amazing all-wheel drive oh so so many electronic things controlling every bit of the driving aspect but you never ever get a sense of them actually working i mean the car the car just works and you think you're like this awesome driver that's probably the biggest problem of the car is (laughs) which isn't really a problem but you can uh really succumb to overconfidence in that thing Mm -hmm. and then when you're switching into maybe if you were to jump out of the 911 turbo and then Hop into a Viper or something, then you might <laughs> yeah, get yeah. yourself into Which a you bit of trouble. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you have to uh, acclimate yourself those first couple of laps. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean everything Brian said. It's it's you know the Porsche 911 Turbo. It's everything that it's supposed to be. It's a great driver's car. The one gripe that I have, or um, one of the very few, is the the, the key. It's obviously on the left <laughs> yeah, side, and yeah. it's just an awful. It's, I don't know why I can't just do a push tradition. button start. Well, that probably will. Yeah, point. I mean, it's, yeah, it does amaze me that you can spend what one hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars on a car and not get push button start these days. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't mind the key on the left. I mean, it's kind of like the old SOPs with the key on the center console. Yeah. Um, the Brian and I remember the uh, uh, Ferrari Enzo that we had at Roebling. That to me was the easiest to drive, fast car. I've ever driven. I thought this 911 Turbo S we had hmm, was better. It was just insanely fast, and you felt so secure in it. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, just a ton of grip. Yep. Toyota Highlander. Now, I've seen it up close. I haven't driven it. This is a staple for American families. I can't tell you how many people have already asked me, what do we think of it? So what do we think of the Toyota Highlander? I mean, it's a... Uh, now an eight-passenger for real uh, uh, CUV, mm-hmm. uh, so essentially what we call full-size CUVs. Yeah, I was uh, the first to drive it, and, um, yeah, I came away impressed. Uh, definitely a big upgrade over the previous generation. Uh, big updates in the suspension, the new uh, double wishbone in the rear. Um, a lot of more sound deadening. Uh, so it's real quiet, real comfortable. So I, I think I've said this before, but... It's getting closer to that luxury Mm -hmm. SUV feel, and it handles itself much better on the road, especially the twisty roads. Mm -hmm. Um, Was it the uh, 
dynamic torque control sets and uh, torque vectoring, making sure that you're the back end is coming or rotating around in those corners, which I definitely felt out in California because, as you know, those roads are pretty twisty. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, great job by Toyota. You know, it's a definite upgrade. I thought it was, it was comfortable. Uh, it still feels very big to me for – I mean, it, there is room in there, but, I mean, not as much as what they're feels like driving it. It feels like a big vehicle. But, I don't think it's really a uh, – still, I don't think it's a – the third row is really – suitable for three but then again i'm not sure any of them are uh, i thought overall the interior was, was really nice i thought it was, uh for me recent toyota's have kind of been hit and miss interior wise but i thought they did a really good job with this one you didn't you make the comment though that you thought some of the extra plushness they put on the interior didn't sort of go all the way through it was like in a couple of places like the dash but not around yeah, they put a lot more soft touch, but uh, yeah, I think it was great. Yeah, she made yeah, it. Yeah, she really started touching things that you don't yeah, normally yeah. touch. At first look, yeah. you're like, wow, you know, everything that you would normally touch is soft touch. But then you sit in the car for you know an extended period of time, and then you start feeling more and more hard plastics. So they're mm-hmm. well hidden, but they are there, and that's just something that you probably won't notice unless you do buy it. Which I mean. Why are you listening to us? <laughs> but, but in a nutshell, if someone, as everyone that's asked me so far, already owns one, they will not find anything shocking about it. I think they'll love it even yeah. more. It's got more room. That's and what people want. The the big thing, though, for me is the hybrid now. Uh, you only get that on the limited trim. Yeah. And that can get up to forty nine grand. And yeah. I believe the first-gen hybrid was, I think, thirty nine. No, well, so you want to start talking about the prices of vehicles <laughs> versus uh, income? That's a whole nother program. Yeah, uh, yeah I think there it was uh, pretty expensive myself. But if you like the Highlander, the old one, you'll love the new one. Let's move on now to our lightning round, uh, where everybody around the table's got a couple of minutes to debate uh, trending automotive topics. And when the time is up, you're going to hear the bell. Let me get that for you. Ah, there we go. And here's the, here it is. I mean, we've all been living through this um, ultra-cold weather. I uh, know in the Mid-Atlantic it's not been as bad as some places in the country. But cold weather is almost gone, but still affecting many drivers. Uh, what sort of impact does it have on fuel economy? And have cars gotten better at compensating for the extra wear and tear during the winter months? Who would like to start on that? Go ahead, Patrick. I can see you're just <laughs> bursting into right. the seam. Uh, let me hold on. Um, you know, I mean, obviously they've gotten better at um, you know fuel efficiency and stuff like that. But I mean, I mean, how's the weather affected? I mean, cold air is dense. It affects uh, aerodynamics. Um, something that I didn't know is that there's apparently winter grade gasoline at yes, gas pumps. Yes, that's correct. Right. For many parts of the country. Yeah, right. so that uh, is less efficient than what you could get in the warmer weather. Um, there's things like uh, your tire pressures running. obviously yeah. go down, which can cause more drag. Um, cars are dirty. That mm-hmm. dirty, you know, cuts um, makes this coefficient drive. If you live in Maryland, four wheel yeah. drive and all wheel drive, that's <laughs> constantly kicking in. That's right. Extra engine power that it's drawing. Uh, they, the big thing I've noticed is the idling. You go out and either have automatic start or you start the vehicle and come back inside, so it's idling for, you know, five minutes or so, whether it's good or bad, excuse me, <coughs> before you drive away. And I've noticed it on our long-term numbers how much that's cut into fuel economy. I'd say it's a mile to two miles per gallon 
over a period of a month or two uh, noticed a definite drop. Yeah, I, I read that the uh, the ideal thing to do, according to the Department of Energy, is right. to no more than 30 seconds of idling, and then you slowly creep into your drive, and the, actually the car will heat up faster by just naturally running the engine. Except all that time you're sitting in there while it's heating up, you're <laughs> exactly. freezing to death. Uh-huh. As far as the second part of the sort of wear and tear, um, I don't know. Maybe they've gotten better with corrosion protection. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, there's only so much you can do. Stuff freezes and thaws and freezes and thaws. It's, it's hard on equipment. It's hard on all the rubber seals. You know, rubber seals still freeze <coughs> to the car and stuff like that. I mean, there's really nothing they can do about that. Most cars today uh, have uh, either warranties or, or the type of protection to protect against uh, corrosion rust through from the inside out of about uh, 100,000 miles or 10 years. And uh, – these days, that basically puts all the old uh, visions of cars with rotted-out rocker panels and stuff pretty much uh, out of the picture. And that was very good. He waited for me to get my last word out. <laughs> I want to make it seem natural. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like 2.15. Okay, <laughs> now let's talk about a common question that seems um, to flow into our staff, especially this time of year. Uh, when we're talking about auto shows, why do so many manufacturers show concept cars at the various auto shows featuring bold, radical designs and then scale them back when the actual production versions debut? Well, it's fantasy and reality. I mean, you know, any <laughs> designer can sit down and draw some you know, crazy, wacky, awesome-looking car, but when it comes down to actually making it, it just it's just not a reality. And uh, I did have interesting – you know, we go on all these events – and uh, talk to a lot of designers, and you know, I've asked him, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. what's what it's like to come up with this beautiful concept car, and then, you know, constantly get degraded into this production model. And you know, he was saying the the goal of being a good designer is to design something that's production ready in the first place, and not to waste everyone's time and efforts in designing some, you know, crazy thing that you know will never get built. Uh, you know, a good designer will design something that looks great, but yet it's practical to build. So. You know, sometimes they they're just testing the market. Like, uh-huh. um, what was the uh, the the new Hyundai Genesis, which has got that kind of long snout on it? That was shown last year as a, a, a fairly way out concept, and and I, I for one was not crazy about it, but that's neither here nor there. You know, and and they toned down the whole car except for that snout. So the the, the nose pretty much uh, survives. And I think they, you know, sometimes uh, you get a direct parallel, but other times, like you said, by the time they look at wheel well clearance, uh, and, you know, and they're not going to put 22-inch tires on it, uh, they start watering them down. And I guess that's just, uh, it's all a part of getting you jazzed up at the auto show. Yeah, I think it might be another thing. Um, it just came to me. Um, mm-hmm. It might do it for a less exciting car. They will make the concept more exciting just to get it on your radar probably so yeah, yeah case so in, we'll write about it case in point the wrx that concept yeah, exactly. car mm-hmm. was right. insane looking yeah. and then you know it's not going to be an impreza anymore and then you know the production car comes out well it's great surprise surprise it is actually still an impreza <laughs> <laughs> okay I think that pretty much wraps it up. That's a good note to finish on. Thank you all very much for being on our podcast today. And that's producer, writer, and two-wheeling reporter Brian Robinson that you've been hearing a lot from. Also, our assistant producer, Greg Carlos. I'm still here. And down at the end of the table, writer Patrick Lucas. Yep, that's me. 
Thank you all for listening to our podcast. Remember to watch Motor Week on public television stations across the country. And we're also seen every week on the Velocity Cable Channel. If you'd like to see our videos, uh, many of them are available on our website at motorweek.org. That's where you'll find this podcast in case you haven't uh, already done that. And let's see, what else have I left out? We'd love to have you back here listening to more podcasts, and be sure to catch Motor Week. Our audio engineer today was Jim Bigwood, our podcast creator, Bob Mixter, our podcast producer at the end of the table, Patrick Lucas. Thank you one and all. I know that guy. That's me. You know, that's you. And we'll see you soon on Motor Week. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by TireRack.com rockauto.com and by Die Hard. For additional information on podcasts, videos and showtimes, visit our website at motorweek.org and watch Motor Week, television's longest running automotive magazine series each week on your local PBS station.